today. <laughs> Share a little story with you that uh, last hymn reminded me of. My wife's grandfather was a musical music director in his church. And it seemed to me like, anyway, that every time they had a service, that song was sung. Because that, that was his favorite. And he was uh, an old man. And I was young then. I'm in the 80s, my 80s now. And he, uh, bald-headed as a cue ball and skinny under the rail, had an ongoing feud with his, one of his neighbors next door. And for, I guess, 25 years, they, the, one of the men across the fence would throw curses in his direction and he'd tell him how much the Lord loved him. I don't know that he ever did convert him, but he sure, he sure cried often enough. And I know that wherever he is now, that the Lord's blessing him for that. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. And we're going to uh, read the first five verses, and that's going to be the basis of our sermon. And if this is a, a psalm of David. And if you read the whole thing, it has little snippets in it that uh, make it a messianic song. For instance, it says in, in the scroll of the book, it's written about me. That, that can't be anybody but the Lord. That can't be anybody but Jesus. That's verse 7, I think. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me, brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. And yes, praise. How many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord? Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turned aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order if I would declare to speak them. They are more than can be numbered. I don't know that I can remember a few services over the, over the years that ever have a te have been present in a testimony service when everybody or just people pop up here, there, and yonder and give a testimony to the Lord. That's, uh, that's very encouraging when it happens. I haven't seen that in years. But that's basically what King David is putting out here in the Psalm 40. It's as if he's giving his testimony over and over. If he's just standing beside us and saying, let me tell you what God's done for me. 
Here in the 40th Psalm, he says, I was on a pit sinking into the miry clay. But the Lord came and lifted me out and set my feet upon solid rock and gave me a new song to sing. Praise his name. The picture is of a man who's fallen into a well. It's dark down there, but he can see well enough to know that he's sinking. He's helpless and hopeless, and there's no way he can help himself. Then when all seems lost, along comes a man with a long rope. A strong man lowers the rope into the well. He ties it in around his waist, and he's pulled out. And his feet are set upon solid ground. Is there anyone who would not have praise for such a rescuer? If we take a little bit closer look at Psalm 40, we can understand that the man in the pit is the lost soul sinking into hell. The strong man who pulled him out was the Lord Jesus Christ. He sets the man's feet upon the rock of ages. And this man received four things when he came up out of that pit. And that's what we're going to, I'm going to share this morning of those four things that the Lord gives us when we come to salvation. Basically, first of all is healing. We're, I'm not speaking of physical healing here, but of spiritual healing. Now, physical healing does happen. I can share one event with you that I was witnessed to me by one of my instructors at, at Boyce. It seems that the woman was dying and my old family was called in and they were gathered around her door in the hospital in the hall and they decided to have prayer. And someone lifted up the prayer and says, oh Lord, she's had a good, long life. She's loved by her family and she's loved by you. We request if there be any praise, honor, and glory to you, let her live. Instead of dying that night, she lived 15 years. Now, the one that offered up that prayer, his remark was, if anybody laid hands on her, it was the Lord himself, because he says, I didn't. And I, you know, when, when, when it comes to divine healing like that, I, I, I'm of the opinion what we do is we make our requests known to the Lord and the Lord will honor them in any way that he sees fit. Now, we don't understand why some people die and some people don't. These people in the car wreck are a good example of that. There's a lot of wrecks that nobody dies at all. But we just make our request known and leave the results up to the Lord. But uh, back to the subject, the healing I'm speaking of here is spiritual healing. And all the way through the Bible, sin is looked upon as a disease. If it's allowed to run its course unchecked, it would carry every one of us to hell. For sin affects us all. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says there's not a man upon the earth that does not sin and 
does good and does not sin. You know, and I am reminded also that in the days of Noah that the Lord looked down on the earth and he said that the, the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. I think we're there again, pretty much. Since all of us are infected with sin, a disease called sin, all of us need spiritual healing. And when Jesus went to the cross, he provided that healing for us. When we come to Jesus, we're healed of our spiritual sickness called, also called sin. Now, I was spent 20 years or 21 years on the fire department in Little Rock. I had a friend there. He was about as Irish as you can get. And with a name like Murphy, you, you, you can understand why. But he used to tell us a tale of a man that he knew who was a helpless alcoholic and lived on the streets. And for the life of me, I don't know how anybody survives on the streets in the wintertime, but they do somehow or another. But this man was a confirmed alcoholic. He was a derelict. And one day he kind of straightened himself up. He found a job and worked. He bought new clothes, new boots. Then one day he could stand it no longer. And he went and bought some alcohol and got blind drunk and passed out. And he awakened under a railroad bridge to find that the, his alcoholic friends had stripped him of his clothes and his boots and sold them to get something to drink. Now, the, the, I tell you that to, to, to say this. Sin will take you to a place you really don't want to go. That's what sin will do for you. Now, I'd like to relate to you how that man was uh, gloriously saved and changed and became a productive man. Uh, uh, member of society, but in this world, not all stories have a good ending, and this one didn't. So far as I know, he would continue just like he had before. And the point is that sin kills just as surely as a bullet. Now, alcohol may not be your sin, but without Christ, you're still in sin and you are just as spiritually dead as the hopeless alcoholic. Suppose you were having a heart attack and the doctor came to you and said, in your present condition, it's not likely you're going to live. But now I've got this shot I can give to you that will stop a heart attack in its tracks. Would you take the shot or would you die? By the way, there is a shot like that. Works most of the time. <laughs> I've had one. <laughs> and yes, I would take it and did. Well, Jesus is the remedy for sin. 
untold millions who were in their, on their way to hell came to Jesus and he saved them all. He's never lost a single one. He can heal spiritual sickness. The first thing that Christ gives anyone who comes to him is healing, spiritual healing, the forgiveness of sins. And next, and this is point two, by the way, next he provides help. In the third chapter of John, Jesus tells us that we must be born again. You know, and it's wonderful to be saved. It was a wonderful experience for me, but it doesn't end there. It's just begun. We can't live the Christian life without help. The great thing is we have Jesus who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, I, I would share with you one thing. I, I live alone, and sometimes the, the, uh, the presence, I sense another presence there other than myself. I don't believe in ghosts, but I do believe in Jesus. And he has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we should practice the presence of the Lord in our lives. What would we do if we didn't have the Lord's help? And if you, even if you had a conversion experience as great as that of the Apostle Paul, you're still going to need the Lord's help to make it through this life. What would we do without the comfort and the promises of God? Wonderful words like, let not your heart be troubled. Or like, my God shall supply your every need. Comforting words like, when your mother and your father forsake you, I will take you up. And the Lord is my shepherd. Reassuring words like, all things work together for good for those who love God. There is the title of an old song. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. And it's true. No one has. No one ever offered to die for me. But Jesus did. And he died for you too. He does care, and from the moment we trust in him till the day we're called home, he looks after us and helps us. It's been my privilege to visit people, Christians, in the hospital. Some of them in the face of very serious, life-threatening situations. I've seen some that were frightened by what they had to go through, but they didn't, weren't particularly frightened about where they were going. As uh, my father-in-law, as he lay dying, he had died of cancer. And he, he, he told me, he says, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of the process, the things he had to go through. <laughs> and... He did make it through it, by the way. Christians have a, a peace about them. 
during this procedure, if you will, of, of death. And this is what the Bible calls a peace that passes all understanding. And where is the non-Christian going to find help like that? There's no help for you if you don't know Jesus, but Jesus offers healing and he provides help. And the third thing is hope. Now, an automobile won't run without gasoline, but if it's a gasoline engine, and we've we got some electric cars around today that I, I don't, wouldn't place my confidence in to get me from here to my home. A watch won't run unless it has wound or has batteries, and crops won't grow without sunshine and rain. And neither can a person go on without hope. The loss of hope for the future has been the cause of many a suicide. Where can we find hope for the future? People today are searching frantically for hope and happiness. They've tried many things, friends, possessions, living what some have called a good life. But the only hope any of us have is in Jesus Christ. You can ask some people where their hope is. You get some surprising answers. There's a few that might tell you, well, I'm not a Christian, but I've never been a bad person, never harmed anyone. I try to treat everyone kindly. I've always paid my bills and have given a great, driven to a great many causes. You end up thinking, you know, well, I'm not such a bad person after all. And that is the worst kind of self-deception. You might be surprised how many people place their hope in being a member of a particular church. When death comes, these people die without God and without hope. Once heard hear all kinds of things in fire stations. A fire station is like having another family. You work with it. It's usually the same people. Day in, day out, year in and year out. And they, you get to know them very well. And one of those fellows asked another fireman, says, what do you know? That was a conversation starter. That's all it was. But it was an ordinary thing, but the answer that came back was anything but ordinary. It was, I know in whom I have believed, and I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Everyone present immediately knew where his man placed his hope for the future. The man's name was Steve Stephen. His fire department name was Meathead. He uh, wasn't because he was dumb. He was opinionated and well-educated, by the way. And he has come to that day. I found out last year that he, he had died of a heart attack. Was was a fine person, a fine Christian.
What would you take for your Christian hope? The truth is, it is beyond price. Christ gives healing, then he provides help, then he fills us with hope. And the last thing he gives us is heaven. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but I think it's a nice little list. The truth is that there are some who are foolish enough to say, I don't want Christ or the things that he gives. And Paul tells us that if we, if we have no hope beyond this world, we are of all men most miserable. Let me tell you a strange story. Again, at the fire station, a lot of things happened at the fire station. One, this Steve Stevens and myself was witnessing to another fireman, young fireman, who was, the only way to say it is he was a hellraiser. And we were standing by the fire, the, the door of the fire station and he went into a tirade against the Lord. And he said, I, you know, if it, I don't believe in him. And I'll say this, if, I, if I'm standing here, if, he, if, if, he's, if he's real, he can strike me dead with lightning. Well, we got to run. Basically, the, I had to go to a fire. And I was on an aerial truck following a pumper, and he was on the rear of the pumper. And we pulled up to a stoplight, and lightning struck a, a tree within 10 foot of him. I don't know about you, but that would have, <laughs> that would have changed my mind. <laughs> and that was no accident. I thoroughly believe the Lord did that. And uh, I don't know if he ever come to the Lord. I hope he did. Uh, hell is not something I would wish on my worst enemy. I'd rather see them changed and come to the Lord. And that's exactly right. <laughs> But let me tell you that heaven is waiting out there for the Christian. Christ promised heaven to all of those who place their faith in him. He never breaks his promise. Maybe you placed your faith in him when you were eight years old and you may live to be 98. Men forget. The Lord always remembers those that are his. Now, you may have committed sins along the way, but he's promised you heaven and he will deliver. I, have any of you ever experienced a Korean funeral? You? In Korea? Yeah. Yeah. Korea? Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Same place. Now, I don't know what kind of... The, for ceremony they had, you, you in 
encountered, but the one I saw was a casket was mounted up on big poles. And they were really decorated fine. And they, I have to think most of the fellows that were carrying the body in that, that, that rack that the, that, that the casket was upon, I had to think they were, had been indulging in a little alcohol for a long time. And they made a lot of noise, they beat drums, they had music, they wailed and they hollered like somebody that has no hope. Drinking something. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, in any case, they. I'm told that in Korea today that they're 50% Christian, so I bet you don't see too many of these like you used to. I have stood by the side of an open grave at Christian funerals and seen the peace of God written on the face of families who have lost loved ones. So what's the difference between the two, the con contrast between the Christian and the non-Christian? The Christian has the hope of seeing that loved one again in heaven. Heaven is out there waiting for us, a place of happiness and joy a place where sin and sorrow cannot enter, no tears, a place where we will see our loved ones again. It's a place where we'll be with Jesus forever. So here is what Christ offers you. Healing, which means forgiveness of sins. Help to live the Christian life. Hope for the days to come. And heaven at the end of your life. So the question is, will you open your heart and receive what God has to offer? Now, the Bible says that our names are written down somewhere in heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that there's got one that are saved and one saved, and I don't know about you, but I want my name to be under the the saved list. I want every good thing that the Lord has to offer for me, and I know you do too. And the way we do that is come to the Lord for salvation. Now, I kind of feel like I'm preaching to the crowd here this morning because we're so few of us, and the ages of all of us, I should say, now, I, I came to the Lord when I was in my 40s. So that's been 42 years ago, or three. I, I am absolutely blessed to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. And I know you are too. Let us pray. Father God, if there's anything good or precious or wonderful about this sermon, let it be to your your praise and glory and credit and not to me. And Lord, we ask your blessings upon all present here this morning. We pray for your watch and care over us and for our nation, Lord. We 
prayed for a great awakening and a revival for our nation. Lord, without you, our nation will fall and be like all the nations that turned away from God. They'll be turned into hell. And we, we pray that doesn't happen, Lord. We pray for your help and your, we'll pour out your spirit upon us and change the hearts of our people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.